0: Welcome to Epic Fails, Finding Redemption in Our Stories. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this show, you'll hear people from all walks of life sharing powerful stories of transformation. My hope is that as you hear stories of redemption, you'll find redemption in your own. I do want to make a disclaimer at the top of the show that there is a thunderstorm outside and it is hailing... Uh, pretty bad. So I do apologize in advance for some of the quality of this episode. Uh, Mother Nature decided to have a voice and there wasn't really much I can do about it, but I do appreciate you sticking through the show. Today I have Shannon Toller, an incredible woman I've recently connected with who has a powerful story of redemption. We are going to chat about her heartache in the aftermath of an abortion years ago and the journey God is taking her on since. So let's jump into our story. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brittany. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited for people to hear your story and hopefully be encouraged and impacted by it. So I'm I'm excited. And I think people will be too. Um, so oh, we're gonna thank you. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump in. so maybe you can share with us a little bit about where you came from and the kind of upbringing you had.
1: Sure well I was born in Arizona but I've lived in Colorado since I was a month old so I consider myself a native. Uh, I'm an only child and an only grandchild so I was incredibly spoiled and entitled when I was younger unfortunately. <laughs> my parents um, divorced when I was four and I can say that I never really thought their divorce was a bad thing because my dad was he was an alcoholic and they had a very verbally abusive relationship. So they truly were much better apart from one another. But it did most definitely affect me, just not in the whole, I wish my mom and dad were together, like mm-hmm. most divorced kids feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I developed a lot of anger and a lot of resentment, and I took it out on my mom and my grandparents a lot since I was around them the most. Um, I felt so neglected and disappointed, you know, that my parents couldn't make it work even though they were miserable together. Hmm. And it really destroyed my image of marriage and even of God. Because I thought that if my own father of flesh and blood could duck in and out of my life, then what was stopping my heavenly father from doing that to hmm. me as well? Hmm. So it really did kind of start this struggle of, God, is, is he going to love me the way my dad loved me, or will he love me better? Hmm. And that was kind of that journey of where that started. Um, And those thoughts and feelings, they really kind of carried on and magnified as I got older, got to be a teenager, got into high school. And I really found that my worth was, I thought that my worth was supposed to be for boyfriends and, you know, cool being popular and that was where I thought that I was what I was supposed to do as a teenager. I, I didn't really think that, oh, my worth is in God and my worth is in, you know, who he wants me to be and not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I really struggled with that a lot in high school. And it really did show when I dated boys that were absolutely awful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had met my high school sweetheart uh, in choir and he was a couple of years older than I was. So I was already attracted to the fact that I thought I was cool because I was dating someone in upperclassman age. So uh, by the time we officially got together, he was in college, so I really felt cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the relationship was great in the beginning, like most relationships are. And then it got absolutely awful very fast.
0: Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Like, what how did that start to evolve and what did that look like so you know in the beginning it wasn't I
1: don't know I think it was more so like I personally thought it was the pressure of just being a young guy and a young girl of well this is what society wants we need to have sex it's not a big you know thing you know everyone makes that to be a big deal it's really not and I I'd always had conviction that I knew I wanted to save myself to mar- till marriage mm-hmm. and that was important to me, but I didn't realize it was important, but it wasn't non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. So obviously my boyfriend had every intention of manipulating me out of that decision because, you know, he wanted to have sex and he used, you know, love and, Uh, all these things. He was so sweet and so caring. And, and I thought that that was just him being a great boyfriend when in all actuality, I mean, by the time we gotten together, I was a couple months away from my 18th birthday. So I was actually, I was actually afraid that he was only dating me because he wanted to have sex. So I told him, I actually lied and said that my dad was going to come after him for statutory rape if he touched me before my 18th birthday because I was petrified that he was going to either dump me or he was going to either come after me um, and want to, like, pressure me, I guess, more than what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Or he was just going to, you know, I guess, kind of skirt the line and, and try And he did, he did try, but I, you know, obviously nothing happened, but by the time from that moment that I told him that, you know, my dad was going to come after him until my 18th birthday, it was only a couple months. So those months he spent just swooning, you know, me and, and again, I was 17. I, I was so young and naive. I had no idea and no business having any kind of relationship like that. Yeah, And I was completely oblivious to the fact that he was manipulating my feelings just to get me to sleep with him. Mm. But, um, so as you probably can guess, I did end up having premarital sex with him and I felt ashamed and embarrassed and I knew that that was not at all what God had intended for me. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I knew that I had jumped the gun and gave in to my own human and carnal desires
0: so did that continue on in your relationship? Yeah, it, it did. It, you know, it, it kind of, I thought, I naively
1: thought, I guess, that if I was able to give that piece of me to him, that he would respect me enough to, you know, stay with me and be loyal. And he wasn't. You know, we had such an up and down relationship that as a teenager, I was not prepared for the level of emotion that I was feeling.
0: Yeah. And
1: one night after one of our countless fights and breakups, I ended up taking a handful of my mom's muscle relaxers and I went to bed praying that I would not wake up. Huh. I had no desire to live. And I was only 18 and I felt like my life was over.
0: Because you didn't have... You weren't finding that worth and that value in the relationship that you were hoping for? Yeah, and then I felt
1: I felt like I had a good head on my shoulders for, you know, being as young as I was. Like, I didn't think that I was, like, overtly smart or, or crazy intelligent, like, beyond my years. But I thought that I had enough maturity to understand that, you know, when you do engage in something like that you have to accept the consequences and one of the consequences that I don't think I was aware of was what it really emotionally did to me to know that I gave part of me to someone that God wanted me to save for my husband Hmm. and he just kind of railroaded my feelings and that whole feeling of being a teenager and all those crazy hormones and emotions I mean They all had this horrible play into my self-worth and how I felt, and I took it as, well, if he's not fulfilled with me, then he's going somewhere else, and I'm not worthy enough to be with him. Hmm. So if I'm not worthy enough to be with him, then my only option at that time in my mind was to not live at all, which, thank God... That didn't happen, and I did wake up, and I was able to come through that, but I came through it and woke up in a family planning aisle of a King Supers buying a pregnancy test because I had missed my period.
0: And that came on the heels of the suicide attempt?
1: Yeah, so not even a couple weeks after that, I had... Not felt well, felt really yucky, just didn't feel like myself. And I had missed my period. So I was like, well, I mean, it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out what possibly could be happening. Yeah. So uh, I didn't have, you know, being a teen mom on my bucket list at that point. And I had finally gotten enough courage after that suicide attempt to leave the relationship for good because I knew that if I was in a relationship with someone who would drive me to that, that that could not ever be a healthy relationship. So that was the, that was the stick, stick a fork in me. I'm done moment was like, okay, I don't need this. So for me to have to now go through finding out that I'm pregnant was just kind of a Another nail in the coffin, so to speak. Of oh, great! I finally feel like I have enough courage to leave, and now I have an entirely different mountain to climb that I had no idea how to climb.
0: Yeah. What were some of the feelings that were going through you when you like when you found out that you were pregnant? I like, maybe scared. take us back to that moment. You know.
1: Yeah, that moment was just it was just full of fear and and absolute just self-loathing of oh man, I should have known better. Like what was I thinking? I should have I should have had the right mindset to just say no and not have been pressured by a boy who convinced me that he loved me, you know? I, I did not give myself any grace at all in that moment. I did not think I deserved it one Mm. bit because I thought, you know what? If I'm going to engage in premarital sex, I better reap what I sow. And here I am in this moment of, okay, well you have a choice. Are you going to keep the baby knowing that you are in an abusive relationship? Are you going to have an abortion? Or are, are you going to give the baby up for adoption? And, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, I wish I would have had enough foresight to see that the adoption would have been a better option for mm. me. But I was young and afraid and so ashamed of what I had done. And I just, I didn't think I had any other option besides having an abortion. Mm. So... The day before Thanksgiving and two days before my 19th birthday, I went to Planned Parenthood and it was the most heartbreaking and mind numbing thing I've ever experienced in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if I was just hallucinating from the anxiety and the fear of the situation. But as I was in this exam room with bars on the windows, I felt like I was in jail Mm. I heard I heard the voice of God audibly telling me to leave that I didn't need to go through this but that he would be there regardless of the decision I made mm. and I felt that comfort of look you're my daughter I love you and I understand this is hard but either way you will be loved by me mm. And I was too afraid to walk out because I was too afraid that the people of Planned Parenthood would think, well, why is she here then? Why is she leaving? So I was too ashamed to even walk out the door, but yet I was even more ashamed to stay. Hmm. But then I did end up staying. And I walked out of that clinic, a hollow shell of the Shannon that had walked in.
0: So when you... When you came out of that experience, you talk about feeling like a hollow shell of a person. Were there, within that emptiness, were there any other feelings or maybe regrets or doubts about what had just happened? There weren't really a lot of
1: doubts and regrets at that moment in time, just because I thought that I I had dodged a bullet because I was still kind of in that in that worldly bubble of, you know, no, you know, this is just a sack of cells. There is, there's nothing formed yet. So this is just a science experiment inside of you. So I still kind of believed that lie, but I think believing that lie kind of just helped me. I don't want to say autopilot through that grief, but that would probably be the best term because I really did just kind of autopilot through it, just kind of went through the motions and, you know, I just kind of figured, okay, well, this must be a normal, you know, side effect to having an abortion It's just kind of feeling this emptiness. Hmm. So I just kind of chalked it up to that. And, you know, no one at Planned Parenthood, you know, offered me any kind of counseling mm-hmm. or any kind of encouragement or any kind of even like talk of, hey, are you sure this is what you want to do? You know, so I really kind of went into it like, well, no, obviously this is fine because they were nurses and doctors and they would have told me if it wasn't fine. So I lived in this kind of little bubble of, okay, well, you know, what I did was no different to me than a surgical procedure, like getting my wisdom teeth pulled. It was Mm -hmm. just surgery. It wasn't, it was very cut and dry. Like I wouldn't allow myself to see past that. So... I really did just kind of, I think I really just lived in denial because it was just way easier for me to live in a denial than it was to live in what I did, especially, especially just recovering from attempting suicide. I was like, so afraid to even touch my emotions because it was like, if I go too far, will I be able to pull myself back Hmm. off of the cliff that I'm about to jump off of?
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple years after that, you hit another rough patch in life when you lost two people that were close to you. Uh, talk about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it was a couple of years uh, past that. Um, i really let that, you know, I just kind of chalked that up of like, okay, we're going to move on with our life. Uh-huh. Everything's fine. Um, so, you know, I let myself get back out there and I, you know, I was working at Target, (laughs) I had this fun job, I was like half Target, half Starbucks barista, I had all these cool friends, I was, you know, kind of just living cool little early 20s life, and um, I was starting to allow myself to date again, and I met a new guy that was really nice, and really sweet, Um, and in the midst of all this Uh, newness of our relationship, uh, we found out that my grandpa was dying of lung and bone cancer. Mm. So, this pillar of stability in my life, the only male father figure that was stable, that was constantly there in my life, all of a sudden is now dying. Mm. And I mean, I had experienced death as a child. Like, you know, I had older aunts and uncles pass and I've had older relatives, but nothing to the severity of immediate family. Like, okay, my grandpa, who I see almost every day, is now going to not be there anymore. Mm -hmm. And now I have to grapple with that on top of finding out that this relationship that I'm in now is has all these holes in it and he's seeing girls on the side and I'm now just finding out about it. Mm. So I'm finding out about all of this all at once. And it's all just kind of compacting into this giant mess of a explosion. And the tipping point is me finding out that he's dying and didn't know how to express my feelings in a healthy way. Mm. So I, I just immediately grabbed a bottle of Jägermeister and just started kicking back and drinking with my friends. And before I knew it, I drank the whole bottle and I couldn't walk and I could barely speak and I was slurring my words and, you know, obviously at this point I'm throwing up and I'm throwing up blood. And I'm freaking out. Hmm. So the ambulance is coming. I, you know, I'm in the throes of alcohol poisoning. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm
1: in this emergency room. And I'm finally understanding like, okay, well, I can't keep doing this to myself. I need to find a different way to cope with the weight of the world.
0: Yeah.
1: And... And then my, you know, boyfriend's like, well, this isn't working out for me and dumps me um, through text in the emergency room as I'm sitting there waiting for the doctor to discharge me. So I'm absolutely wrapped in this horrible bubble of just sadness and depression. And, um, you know, I, I didn't understand that God, once again, had saved me from myself, you know, I could have died and here I was just feeling sorry for myself Mm. instead of understanding that, wow, um, I knocked on death's door one more time and God shut it and wouldn't allow me to walk through it. And I'm still in this place of ungratefulness that is now turning into this bitterness slash grief strickenness that just morphs into full-blown alcoholism
0: Mm. during this time. Did, uh, did any, did any of the weight of the abortion come flooding back or was that something you were still like putting in the back of your mind?
1: You know, I, I left that in a kind of Pandora's box. It was like, it's there it's tucked away, you know, it happened, don't worry about it. We don't need to think about it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, those feelings came rushing back once I found out I was pregnant again. And when I found that I was pregnant again with, an- with yet another boyfriend who was not committed to me, who wasn't abusive on any level just couldn't make up his mind on who he wanted to be with. Mm-hmm. And I was torn because I knew that he was a good person and we were just both good people in a very messed up relationship that probably shouldn't have gotten together. And now here I am yet again in this fork in the road moment of, okay, Shannon, you have yet again engaged in premarital sex. You've learned nothing from before you were pregnant again. You're about to make another choice. He doesn't want another child. He already has a baby from a previous relationship. So he's not going to want this. And he didn't. I did, but I was too afraid to tell him that I did. So I just kind of let him take the wheel on that. And we just went with, well, then it's not time. We're not ready. So I went back to Planned Parenthood, went back to the room with the bars on the windows in a different scenario and felt just as broken, just as ashamed, just as angry, just as hurt. Hmm. And as I left that time, there was nothing left. There was nothing put back in, I guess you could say, from before that I would have been a hollow shell again. I walked in a hollow shell. I mm-hmm. walked out a hollow shell.
0: So you've, um, you've gone through this experience a few times. You've, um, you've lost I- a grandfather that you were really close to. Um, mm-hmm. so you, you've hit rock bottom. I would say a few times in your life or what, cause people might consider that. Um, what was that like that that moment that drew you to want to turn your life over to God to change your life?
1: Well, I think that that moment really it there looking back, I thought, you know, I actually thought long and hard as I was going over the questions for this podcast. And that was really, I really did take my time on that one of like, when was the exact moment that I finally said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I reflected and thought, and I was very, very, very about 150 million percent sure that that this moment um, that I'm about to tell you about was the moment that I just, I threw my hands up and I was, I was done. I surrendered, yet I hadn't given my life to God yet. So I, you know, I'm, I'm grieving for my grandfather I'm grieving finding out that you know, my boyfriend and I can't make it work. I find out I'm pregnant again. I go through another abortion. I'm finally just realizing that, look, I'm not getting anything from these relationships I'm pouring myself into. I need to just take a step back. I need to stop looking for my worth in a boyfriend. And I've got enough, like, true courage to just say, you know what, no hard feelings, We can be friends. I just can't be with you anymore. It's just too hard. Hmm. And I got up enough courage to say that. I left. I felt so good about myself. And then about a week or so later, I get a call from his sister at 630 in the morning. It's super early. When she answered, I could tell by her tone that something was so wrong. And it wasn't at all as casual as I thought it was. And then she told me that her brother, my ex-boyfriend, was killed in a motorcycle accident. Mm. And my world was rocked like never before. And throughout all of that craziness and the sadness of now losing, yes, he was my ex-boyfriend, but, you know, I, I did. I was with him for three years, so there was a big moment of, like, I feel like a grieving widow. I feel like I'm burying. I don't want to say I was burying my husband because it wasn't like we never made that commitment to one another, but emotionally for me and what I felt like I had given to the relationship. I, I couldn't not say that. It really truly did feel like I was a widow, but then come to find out, All of my worst fears were proven once I found out that I was not the only woman that felt like the grieving widow and all of these women were at the funeral and all of them felt the exact same way I did. Mm. And that was when I knew that moment of sitting in that church mourning this loss, knowing that I was not alone in this feeling was the moment that I was like, okay, God, I messed up somewhere along the way I misstepped and miscalculated and my life is a absolute mess and I made it that way. How do I clean this up? I have no idea. I thought I was in control and I had blamed myself when everything that I thought was a best laid plan in my life fell by the wayside. I thought that I was in control of why every boyfriend I'd ever had cheated on me or, you know, was verbally abusive or emotionally abusive. I thought that was my fault. And then I carried that weight and carried the weight of so many things that God never intended for me to carry. And I had this entire time thought that I was above God to say, you know, I got this. I can handle my life. It's totally fine for me to take control. And I put God on the back burner like 99% of the time. And most of the time he probably wasn't even on the stove. Hmm. I wasn't even focused on God. I was completely wrapped in myself. But then once this happened, once I watched, you know, a young, vibrant person pass away. It was over. It was like, okay, the the rose colored glasses had come off. And I need to find something in my life that offers me something fulfilling and something that isn't going to destroy me.
0: You there's two things I noticed about your story. One, you're a person um, who, who has experienced a lot of grief and loss. And then secondly, I think um, there's going to be a lot of people who can relate to you in that they try to find their value in other people. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to people on the grief side and then also to people who are looking to find value in other people? Well, on the grief side...
1: Unfortunately, I'm actually in the throes of grief again. Um, my grandmother's brother, her last living sibling, just passed away last night. Mm-hmm. So we are starting the beginnings of grief again. So the ebb and flow of grief, is it's, it's always going to be there. But grief and God work hand in hand. And as for the finding a self-worth, especially to girls, and I am now the mom of two girls, and I can't tell you how conscious I have to be, even in the morning, when I'm trying to fix my mom bun of a messy hair that I haven't ran water through in a week, just dry shampoo and a comb, and I'm wondering why it doesn't look good, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh man, I don't look good, I look ugly. And if I say that out loud and my daughter happens to hear it, she copies it. And then I'm thinking, oh, no, you're not ugly. You're beautiful. You are the apple of my eye. And then I think, oh, hello, Shannon. Don't you think God thinks that about you? Hello, you're the apple of his eye. Why would you say that? So... For me, having daughters has just reaffirmed that my self-worth has nothing to do with a boyfriend or with a popularity contest. It has nothing to do with the amount of friends on Facebook that I have. It has nothing to do with how many people read my blog. It has to do with who created me and what he wants to do through me. And if he created me and knit me together in my mother's womb... He was not making mistakes. He did not think I was ugly. He did not think, oh, man, Shannon, your hair looks awful. Could you possibly stop putting so much dry shampoo in it? He's not thinking these things. I am. I'm the one thinking that God's coming down on me. And he just wants to be there to wrap his loving arms around me to tell me that I am his daughter and that I am loved. And for every woman out there that's listening to this that thinks... That that's not her. It is. God loves
0: you. Yeah, that's good. To recap, Shannon is someone who has, one, uh, been a person who tried to find value in other people and in other relationships. And of course, to not find that satisfaction, that value in relationships, because that doesn't exist. Um, Satisfaction only is found in Christ. But Um, In an attempt to find that satisfaction and value in people, experienced a lot of heartache, a lot of loss, um, you know, tried to commit suicide a few times, um, had an abortion twice, um, and just experienced a lot of loss. She is also someone, I would say, who has experienced a lot of grief, um, having lost people very near and dear to her um, throughout her life, and so um, you're you've heard in her story um, heartache, grief, um, and just overall searching for something of value. And and thankfully she did end up finding that. Um, she was able to make that commitment to follow Christ. And now her life um, is full and it is great. And we're going to get to hear um, from her. So if there was... Um... If you could share anything with the audience, if there is one thing you could leave with them, what would it be?
1: Oh, this question! I've been waiting <laughs> for
0: this question. <laughs> it's my favorite question of every episode. <laughs> yes, I
1: literally—I was writing all of my notes down last night, and I just wrote the question down and just sat there for like an hour, like I have to think <laughs> about this.
0: Oh, yeah, very well. I made
1: it hard for you. <laughs> like this is this is the moment right here. <laughs> yes. So. I spent a lot of time praying and thinking about what my answer would be. And I really truly feel God just calling me to tell everyone listening that this world is a scary place, especially lately in the news. It's hard to even watch the news. It's heartbreaking. It's terrifying. But in all of this, Fear and madness and just general out-of-controlness. God is there. And he's with us. And he is He's waiting. And he will love us like a good, good father will, but he will not clobber us with his love. We have to seek him. He's not going to seek us, but he is There for us. He doesn't ever leave us enough to seek us. We are the ones who walk away. He stays. He's just waiting for us to open the door. So when I was sitting here reading over my notes and thinking, okay, God, you have blessed me with this opportunity, you have blessed me with everything you've given me. What do you want me to say? And all I felt truly was just there is hope. Jesus is your hope. In this world of hopelessness, in this world of divisiveness, in this world of tension and hatefulness, there is hope in Jesus.
0: That's so good. Thank you so much, Shannon. That's that's really, really good. Um, I want to thank you for joining the show today and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Today you got a peek into the story of a person who went through a difficult situation. One many might be able to relate to. If you do, and even if you don't, perhaps know what the situation is like, but you can relate to some of the feelings Shannon experienced, be encouraged to know that your story doesn't end with a difficult situation. It's a scene in your story, but it's not the end of your story. Thank you for joining me today. If this podcast is something that is ministering to you or you think others might find interesting, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A review helps this podcast grow, which helps to get the word out to people who might need to hear this story of redemption tune in again in two weeks for another powerful story. In the meantime, you can find more information about me, read weekly devotionals, and find out what I'm doing around the web at www.brittanyrust.com. I'll see you next time.